We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Oh, hi, Mark. That scream can only mean one thing. Fred Hoiberg is losing his Batesum again. <laughs> and we welcome in back to the show. It used to be his show. He was on this show. Now it's not his show, but he's back on this show. He's Mark Grody. Good afternoon, fellas. I just want you to know that as uh, the score studio called me, Mike Chen gave me a ring. All sorts of racket going on back there with a pizza delivery person. I just want you guys to know that there's another show going on on the other side of the glass right now. Well, there always is. Yeah, the, the, the pizza is here, so talk to Stever for a little while. I'll yeah. be back. <laughs> right. I like how you call him Stever. That's good. Yeah, that's it's been taken for a while. Oh, yeah, it has. It's, well, you know, I'm a radio guy at yeah. heart. What are you going to do? Sorry. Mark Rohde covers the Bears for the score during the week, covers the Bears' sidelines for our brother station, WBBM, 780 AM, 105.9 FM. On Sundays, right. tomorrow's is Sunday, and it'll be the Bears and Jets, and if it's close, if the this is a, a must-win in Matt Nagy's rookie year. And we're not even halfway through the first half of the year, but this looks like a must win to me. Mark Grody, your thoughts. It is a must win. And I think that, I mean, obviously with them having lost two in a row, you still at 500 have a legitimate shot at this division. The Jets are bad right now. I mean, record wise, they're a game under 500, but their offense is in shambles right now. Their, their top receiver Quinty Anua is going to be out again. Their number two receiver, Robbie Anderson, is doubtful. The Jets had to go out and sign a guy off the street. They get Richard Matthews, who had been with Tennessee. The Jets are going to be without the very versatile running back, Bilal Powell, who was also good in the passing game. So Sam Darnold doesn't have a whole lot going for him as far as guys catching the football. And then while we're at it, their, their number one running back, Isaiah Crowell, He's a bit banged up as well. I believe he will play, but he's not 100% either. So this is one of those games where it's it's not only a must-win, but it's probably a get-well game for the Bears defense, which hasn't been good, obviously, over the last two games. I, With all of that having been said, I know they said they're not going to consider benching Khalil Mack. But do you think if they get out to a nice big lead, they would go ahead and just relax and let him sit and not put that ankle in further danger? We're just we're not that far removed from the Bears under a different regime, really, playing Pernell McPhee on a bad knee for eight weeks and then he needed surgery and he was never ever the same here. Matt, I absolutely believe that would be the case. Yeah, if the Bears do get out to a big lead, I would be surprised if they didn't. 
rest Khalil Mack, and it does look like he's going to play just based on the fact that he pretty much had the same practice week this week as he had had last week where he practiced on the final day of the week on a Friday. He did practice yesterday, limited, as they say, but that's a pretty good sign that he's going to play. I think it's a good idea that he does play because of what Steve said to Stever, what Stever said to start the segment that it is a must win. And the Bears are not in a position right now where they can say, yeah, you know, it's just the Jets, you know, that this is a good, good chance to, to rest their top guy or not rest, but, you know, keep them healthy. That's not a good idea for a three and three team that's lost two in a row. You need all hands on deck, at least to start the game. If they do get out to a big lead, then, um, yeah, he'll he'll come out. And plus, you're, you're going to see more rotations, too, as you did last week where Khalil Mack is, is not in there, where they're hoping to get something a little bit more from, from Aaron Lynch out there. And, of course, Leonard Floyd is still trying to break through as far as getting to the quarterback. Talking with Mark Grody. He covers the Bears for the score and for WBBM on Sundays. I The whole Khalil Mack thing, the Jets are the worst. They rank last in touchdown percentage in the red zone. If you can't beat this team without Khalil Mack, then you really should just give up all that playoff talk. What are the other 10 guys getting paid for anyways? And the fact that he might play when maybe he can't do any more damage to it, but sorry, I couldn't tell the difference between his play and Shea McClellan's last week, and that's not a good thing. Oh. And the – well, really, what what effect did he have? No. What place did he make? That's a little bit extreme. That's a little bit shock shock right there. That's <laughs> the Stever. And, <laughs> and I, I just – but here's what it comes down to as we talk about a must-win in the rookie head coach's first half of the season. Here you have an accomplished veteran pass rusher – who defined the first month of your season against a rookie head coach facing his first big decision. So I don't like that matchup for the health of Khalil Mack's ankle. And I think that's, I have no idea how Matt Nagy deals with this. I don't know what the doctors are telling them, but it could be interpreted from the outside that this is Khalil Mack saying, yeah, I'm healthy and nobody can dispute that. And this may not be the best thing going forward, I think you have to be able to beat the Jets without him, and you're going to need him later on when you run through the division games with Minnesota and Green Bay, and you're going to face the Rams. And, and, and there's a legitimate reason to think this team could be good, but obviously this defense can't play without him. And Leonard Floyd, if Leonard Floyd could play, this wouldn't be a discussion point. They would just – right? If Leonard Floyd yeah, was well, Leonard was the draft pick, we thought he would be. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Let me let me address a bunch of the things you said there, we'll, and we'll start with Leonard Floyd. I talked to Leonard Floyd last week, and I, you know, when, when he first was injured and he had the club on, he said, "Look, this is no big deal. I had this at college; it shouldn't slow me down." Then I pulled him over the side and, and did a little interview with him for our pregame show, and he said, "Yeah, I mean, I've been more affected by it than." Then I've let on. Last week was the first week where he was free from it, where I don't think you could give him any excuses. I mean, he admitted that it was that it was tough to take on blocks. Um, but, you know, last week and going forward, I don't think there's any injury excuses right now. And, yeah, he is absolutely 100% here to sack the quarterback. So even if he's doing other things well, he needs to get to the quarterback and knock that man down. As far as the Bears playing without Khalil Mack, it was interesting. Vic Fangio, the Bears defensive coordinator, kind of said as much, too. He's like, look, 
I don't care if this guy plays or even if he's in there and he's not 100%, that's no excuse as to why this guy over here and that guy over there is not doing his job. So, yeah, they have to be able to be. I mean, they were a top-10 defense last year without Khalil Mack. So part of me says, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to have this defensive unit. Remember remember how good you guys were even without Mack? Um, maybe to get that kind of confidence back. As far as Matt Nagy is concerned and, you know, his, his say in all of this, whether or not he plays, Khalil Mack plays, I think that Nagy completely turns that stuff over. I think he turns it over to the to the medical staff. He lets Vic Fangio have a lot of say in his personnel on defense, almost 100% say. So, But I will say this, from day one of Nagy's regime, and I don't know if it has anything to do with Nagy or the people above him and the medical staff, they've been really careful with guys as far as putting them in and you know giving them that extra day off. But, Steve, you're still better off with Khalil Mack and yes you're supposed to beat this Jets team with without Khalil Mack but it's still the NFL and the Bears are not good enough right now to say yeah we can we can afford to rest the team I mean the Bears are three and three the Jets are one game under 500 not a whole lot of difference there right now record-wise so dress him let him prepare for him and then maybe play him and hopefully get a lead and, and go from there this hour of the score is being brought to you by Webb Ford searching for a great deal on Fords in Chicago visit Webb Ford in Highland Indiana our Bears guy Mark Grody you also here doing sidelines on the broadcast joins us right now on 670 the score those uh, broadcasts are on WBBM all right so the the main thing I got to figure out uh, for the future of Bears football in my mind, oh, wow. <laughs> ready is whether is whether Mitch Tra- is whether Mitch Trubisky will be consistently accurate as a passer, and I as we watch him, he does a lot of good things. Does seems to do a lot of good reads. Does some has some amazing throws. Is brilliant with his feet at extending plays and gaining yards. He gets credit for all of that. But I see a whole bunch in every game, even the good ones. A whole bunch of throws where I'm like, what the hell is that? The overthrows or the underthrows, and they're terrifying. Do, are, we any, are, are we any closer to knowing whether that is something that is, can mechanically improve or whether this is just him and you're going to get four to five throws in harm's way a game? Well, yeah, I think, Matt, you got to like, uh, I, I agree. There's been some moments where you're like, you're kind of like, no, don't do that. Don't throw that. Or moments where he'll miss a guy, but you have the, the the samples that you do have of him being accurate were in college last year. He was accurate, and I get it. That was a very conservative, don't throw the ball downfield type of offense. And then then the Tampa Bay game, how quickly we forget that where he was dead on accurate most of the day. And and I get it that the receivers were wide open and you were going up against the Tampa Bay secondary. So there are some samples where this guy did show legitimate greatness. Um, I think that you know part of part of it too is this year part of the, a huge part of Matt Nagy's offense is something that he is not used to is you have to be able to throw the ball down the field from day one. Nagy said we will throw the ball down the field and I don't know if if Trubisky is comfortable or or as comfortable as he eventually will be with that notion of of going for it going for the big play which you have to do and they're sort of ramming that concept down his throat at this point Um, and I think eventually it's going to get better I mean like I think maybe even a microcosm of that is we know that the connection between 
Mitchell Trubisky and Anthony Miller is going to get better. I mean, you have you have a rookie receiver who is maybe the best route pure route runner on the team, and that connection just isn't there yet. And I would have to think that eventually it's going to get better and he's going to get comfortable with all of his guys. But I just think it's a product of getting used to this offense and flinging the ball downfield a lot. Talking with Mark Grody, covers the Bears for us. You okay there? You all right there? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, no pizza here. I no, got our, our pizza has arrived. We should really end the interview. Seriously. So we can go get to it. Wrap it up. <laughs> but I wanted to, <clears throat> I wanted to could. let's discuss James Daniels making his first start in place of Eric Cush. And there's Leonard Williams. Big, <laughs> bad Leonard Williams. Now, the one thing the Jets do is they'll bring it. They'll blitz. They'll bring a lot of pressure. They're very aggressive. Mitch Trubisky is as has been pointed out this week, most notably in Kevin Fishbane's piece in the um, in the Athletic, that Mitch Trubisky under a five man rush completes fifty one point three percent of his passes, one of the worst in the league. Whereas if you just ru- rush the standard four, he's over seventy percent. Huge difference. And his yards per attempt eight point four when you only rush four. When opponents have rushed five, his yards per attempt is five point two. Clearly, there's no reason to go with a conventional pass rush there's reason to bring pressure until he proves he can beat it and now you've got a rookie making his first start how do you expect the bears to handle that yeah well each and every week steve the the pressure has been coming on mitchell trubisky part of that is because of the young quarterback and another part of that too is that defenses know at this point that trubisky is is one he's a he's a running quarterback at this point um yeah, I mean, Leonard Williams is a problem. I think that, you know, some of that assignment and some of that is going to go to Kyle Long. He's going to have to keep an eye on Leonard Williams of the three sacks. And another interesting statistic or something that stands out about the Jets' defense is they have nine different players who have been involved in or have contributed to sacks this season. So while they're not a great defense, they they swarm and they have a tendency to get to the quarterback. Um yeah, you know, I think that the the fact that Trubisky, to me, it's okay. Like everybody's un, seems uncomfortable with the idea of a quarterback who is running as much as he is because everybody wants him to stay in the pocket and and look for the guys downfield. But if he's breaking out these major plays with his feet, then I think that right now, while he's got that ability and while he is still learning to look at his other progressions, that's okay. So. You know, if if that's if that's got to be what he has to do instead of taking a sack or making a bad pass, I'm all, I'm all good with him taking off and and even if it's three or four positive yards, that's fine as opposed to making a bad throw or taking a sack. But yeah, the the Jets are going to absolutely bring it. You're going to see every team, you know, from here on out and even before this, bring lots of pressure on Mitchell Trubisky because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, you'll be you'll be forced to block about for that, him too. Steve. You'll you'll be think about that for data or data, whatever you got. <laughs> yeah, do that. Damn it! And this is why we say it's a must-win. The statistics are such that three and three teams make the playoffs thirty-six percent of the time. Four and two teams made them sixty-two point nine, sixty-three or sixty-three point. Uh, 63% of the time, it's a big deal to be able to keep moving through. And at this kind of, this kind of, the next two teams they play should win for a team that showed it is playoff capable. 
And this one being at home, Buffalo might be a little tougher, might be a little more difficult. Yeah. But it's good that James Daniels getting a start at home. He should, if, if the crowd learns to shut up when the Bears have the ball or when they get down to the red zone, something like mm-hmm. that. Going to be then, all right when they're down the road. Then this will help. So I, that's why I, I consider this a must win. I picked him to go to the playoffs at the beginning of the season. I even wrote, yeah. wrote well, it down. And so I'm going to be mad uh, if they don't. And someone's going to get a, a pot and tuchus. Well, you got the the at Buffalo game after this week, then I think Detroit at home, and then included in that five of your final eight games against the division. So, yeah, I think you want to be. It's like storing up wins before the real season starts. So you've got those in your pocket before you still have two games against the Minnesota Vikings, and the Vikings are starting to look like the best team in the division again, and. Um, what a positive day this is, Matt Spiegel, for you to be sitting alongside Steve Rosenblum, who who usually makes a mockery out of predictions and has picked the Bears to go to the playoffs. Give that man a hug. You know, it's a great <laughs> okay, it's well, a great segue. Whoa. It's a great segue because after the break, I need to give Steve props on something Bears related. He doesn't even know it's coming. I no, told him, I don't. I'm going to blow sunshine in his general direction, and then he can put it somewhere specific if he wants to. I'm not going to get that close, but. <laughs> It's I, I do need I do need to blow sunshine to Stevie Sunshine after the break. I do. Okay, oh. well let's hurry up and get to that. We've got pizza and we've got we've got Stevie Sunshine shining brighter than ever. So you're superfluous right now, Mark. Okay? Bye. Yeah, well Chen, Okay, Chen thanks, invited, bye. Chen, inv- <laughs> Chen invited me in for pizza and I said, Absolutely not. I'd rather sit on my couch. Thanks. That's right, you do that and I'll come by and I'll drive you to your gym. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, man. And by the way, I, I want, we'll figure this out soon. Um, one of these days, I'm, I'm coming over to the house uh, when I'm out working in Lake Forest, and uh, we're going to barbecue and cook and do all sorts of fun stuff. Well, we are. Oh, he's got the bro plan out. Okay, we'll talk well, about yeah, that. Yeah, you invited me a while back, and I, I kind of haven't taken you up on it. So. No, we couldn't get the schedule worked out. We will. We'll have time now. Hey, okay. I'm, I'm good, guys, but thank you. No, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to move to Lake Bunch Forest? Bunch of jamokes. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, hey, Spiegel, yeah. you know, he's my ex. Hey. You know, this is very awkward. I know. It's all right. I'm used to not being involved in stuff around here. <laughs> hey, once a week lifestyle can't be too bad, Spiegel. That's right. I'm okay. not complaining. All right. We'll no. Okay. See you guys later. Okay, thanks. Bye. It's Mark Grody. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, bottom of the hour, we'll probably have David Schuster somewhere around there. We, uh, he, it's, we'll talk some bulls with him based on what he's heard and seen. Although he's at Northwestern, we're waiting for halftime. Is it halftime already there? No, they got five minutes to go or so. Uh, Saturday suckage, as you can tell, we're, we have no idea where the show's going. That's why it sucks. And we suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome in, welcome back. 1227 Saturday afternoon, Saturday suckage. Rosenblum, Spiegel, we're here for another hour and a half, full bowl of Saturday suckage, waiting on halftime of Northwestern Wisconsin. That's where David Schuster is. He'll be in, we'll bring him in during halftime, and he can talk about the dysfunctional bowls. I don't know. At this point, if you don't fire Fred, you might as well just revoke the charter. Because I don't know where this goes. 
We'll talk about that. I think we'll they probably will. Uh, they probably will. Hey, two weeks ago, we were here talking about the Dolphins game. The Bears and the Dolphins. And you, Steve Rosenblum, said, coming off the bye, I'll be interested to see if this team will come out flat, feeling a little little high on the hog, a little uh, little uh, feeling its own goodness, feeling itself. feeling itself a little bit. And I don't know if you remember, I quickly dismissed you. Just very, very quickly. I, I don't remember that. Oh, I, was... Nor do I take it. I've been quickly dismissed by better people. Well, so, I... no, I did not. <laughs> I did not perhaps remember I, that. Perhaps I toned it down verbally to the point from where it was in my mind, where I was just <laughs> rudely dismissing you. Oh, wow. What the hell kind of common sports trope is that? This is a young bunch. They got a new coach. Come on. And then they came out flat as all hell. Mm -hmm. And it was pathetic. And I haven't seen you since. So I wanted to apologize and and say, for the record. I'm stupid. You're smart. I was wrong. You were right. You're the best. I'm the worst. Uh, You're very good looking. I'm not attractive. All right. (laughs) As long as you're willing to admit that. Yeah, I am willing to admit it. I'm willing to okay. admit it. For the record. I've had that cut in my mind literally for two weeks or 13 days. I wanted is, to play it. That's very large of you. It makes me laugh. That, th- that's very big of you. Uh-huh. I never would have remembered it. I know. Uh, so you could have just gone on with that and and just sort of gnashed your teeth and cursed me under oh, your breath. Well, this is what we do. This is this is what in the business that you're supposed to do is just never bring up when you've been wrong and only bring up when you've been right. Right. But and that's I like part of being president of the United States. <laughs> I like to buck that trend. I like to buck that trend and show the kind of self awareness that is rare in this business that I was dead wrong. What the hell was wrong with them? And now I'd like to do two week old Bears post game if that's all right. <laughs> wrong with him he can't play the first and they admitted it so as long as you're talking about they admitted it there was no energy the hell is that come on what's your job what do you guys do for a living i could have texted you and told you you were right i could have tweeted at you instead i held on to it for show content well i think that's part of what we do is is part of part engendered by the business part by the person the people that we are is that we like to grind on it hold it whatever let it let it eat at our stomach and we gnash our teeth. I can't wait. To, I can't. I don't like that. How could he be right? He's an idiot. Mm-hmm. He's the schmuck in the room. No, that's the Atlanta Hawks owner. He's the schmuck in the room. Well, okay. Thank you very much. All right, kid. All right, I, I feel better now that I, now that I got that. And out. I do have, as long as I do have the courtesy reach around for the, for the piece you wrote this week at the score, 670thescore.com, as you went to, as you finally wrote about, because it's 2018, yeah. You finally wrote about, you finally purged, you finally got out, you finally took whatever number step this was in the 12-step program because it read like a confession. Hmm. It read like a fearless inventory of your feelings. And it was it was such a baseball romantic thing in this day and age where things like that are admitted and come out. I thought it was great. I wanted you to share. I wanted to share that with the class, but I wanted you to share it with the class. Uh huh. Well, you just you just did. That was lovely the way the way you said that. Well, actually, I wrote it at um, at mattspiegel dot com. Actually, um, to because I went a little long. Wait, form, I read a it on the personal. S- oh, okay. You referred to okay. Yeah, my bad. That's I guess right. I read it off the Twitter machine. Yeah, no, it's 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 fine. But um, yeah, it's uh, 
Because I was thinking about, I was had plans to, and have since gone to Game 2 of the 2018 World Series with my dad, who's 85, and my bro, my big brother. Um, but in advance of that, I was thinking about the first World Series game that we ever went to, which was 2016 Game 3, right here at Wrigley Field. The mm-hmm. first game... Uh, first World Series game at Wrigley since 1945, and I had never written about that night. And but share were the reasons why you were afraid of not commemorating it perfectly, and or yeah, not is, talk about holding on to things. Sure, and, two years and, and or not letting it go because I don't know about you, um, but I have had a lifelong obsession with cataloging the moment, doing play by play. Of my own life, right? Or like, and certainly with sports as How a do you backdrop. Do play by play. You know, just like commenting, stopping and trying to be mindful in the moment and saying, look at this. Oh, look be how being present. Look how good this moment is. Oh my God, let's drink it in. Oh, do you realize this? Like, this is, this is, that need to do that is inside me to preposterous levels um, to stop and pause and make sure we notice the good stuff. And this was so good going to a World Series game with your dad and like the way that I got for a chance. your team. It wasn't just some random. It was not like going to the 49ers yeah. Chargers Super Bowl. But in a lot of ways, it didn't matter because it was he walked me into baseball games and held my arm as we fought the crowds when I was a little kid. Right. And now here he was two years ago and I had to hold his arm and walk him in because he's got two fake knees and a fake hip, and I've got to be the one helping secure his steps on the way in, right? And you walk him to your seat at the World Series, and he's like an eight-year-old kid standing there looking around, drinking it all in, and I just sat down and started bawling at, like, the the symmetry of it and sort of like the, the pride of being able to take care of your pops, you know, who, who's done so much for you. So, yeah, the just the hours. The, the 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 whole majesty of that moment was so freaking big that I had been in fear of actually writing it down because I wasn't going to do it justice. And in some ways, I didn't want to let it go. But then all of a sudden, here I was getting fortunate enough to go to another game this week. So like, all right, I better write about that. One there first. you go. All right. This um, it's a very lifetime movie <laughs> and a very hallmark moment. We'll get back to that. In the meantime, we're going to. Reduce ourselves to the usual Saturday suckage by welcoming in David Schuster to the show. Hi, David. Hey, guys. Uh, I think it's time to start looking uh, towards the NBA draft. <laughs> Wait. First, we have to f- have to fire Fred, and then we have to fire Gar, and then we can look through the NBA draft. Well, all right. You do that. I'll start looking at the NBA draft. It's funny. College basketball season hasn't even started, oh. and I'm going to start scouring the college uh, ranks. Uh, for all the players, and you know, even some uh, international players as well. And I guess you can start with Duke, because supposedly they're going to have three, if not maybe even four players that will be in the draft lottery. And again, they haven't even played a game in collegiate basketball, but that's where you're really at. I mean, you know, I, I was semi, and I mean semi, excited for the bowl season going in. Uh, and for all those who bet the over on 27, uh, basically that's worthless like these uh, mega million uh, tickets that I had recently. Uh, but with marking it out another month and Dunn out another month and Portis out another month and oh. Denzel Valentine out at least a couple of more weeks, it's over before it starts. I hate to say it. David Schuster joins us. It's uh, halftime at Northwestern in Northwestern, Wisconsin, so he is able to slip us in in his spare time. 
We uh, welcome him talking about the Bulls. The comments, an angry Fred talking about a lack of effort, and then Jabari Parker just bust-tossed him the way Zach Levine did early in the week, the way Butler and Wade did before. How long do the Bears, the Bears, how long do the Bulls stick with this welcome mat? Because nobody respects him. They're not playing hard. Him getting mad, it's like Mr. Rogers taking Mr. Rogers taking off his cardigan. Nothing tough happens, and the same things, the same problems, the same gaps, the same character defects get exposed. Well, first of all, I don't blame him for getting mad. I was mad watching that game last night. Uh, there wasn't any effort. I mean, it, it is embarrassing. Listen, you're undermanned. You, you probably know you're going to lose most of these games going into it. But well, come on, at least be respectable. And, and, you know, speaking of Jabari Parker, what did he score, 18, 19 points last night? 19 and, points in his requisite 25 minutes, whether he tries or not, David. Well, but he gave up, 30, he gave up at least 30, to he, be honest with he, you. He was a minus 18, worst among all players of the Yeah, I mean, there were, there were a couple times that Kimba Walker sort of laughed and sneered going by him going to the basket. So, you know, I don't blame Fred Hoiberg for being mad. I don't really blame Fred Hoiberg for losses now at this point because the NBA is a player's league, and if you're void of talent, overall talent to begin with, and then if four of your rotation players, two of your starters are gone for the, basically the first six weeks of the season, again, you're, 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 you're gone before you even start. So I don't know ultimately what's going to happen. I don't know if upper management is going to hold that against him down the road. That remains to be seen. It's unfortunate because, you know, unfortunately the Bulls have been beset by injuries every single year. So I guess you can look towards that, but you can also look towards a bunch of other factors. And like I said, I'm looking towards the NBA draft already. Hey, you know, I don't know if you remember, but Derrick Rose got hurt in 2012. I don't know if you remember that. So John Paxson might bring that up again as a as a reason for for things being where they are. Um, you know, it, it's I really I'm didn't. Have to Google that. I really. Oh God, yeah. I really didn't buy it. This idea that Fred Hoiberg could be fired going into the year. And, uh, you know, our buddy Vincent Goodwill said December 15th, fired by December 15th before he left the building, David. Um, But you look at this and now it starts to make sense that Fred will get fired because of the insubordination, because of the horrific effort, because there's no respect for him. And because, well, do they need another scapegoat to add to the list, the laundry list for Gar and for Pax? I just got to take a look at my schedule and uh, figure out where I'm going to be on Christmas Eve because it's been too many times in the past that I got called first to the Birdo Center and then the Advocate Center. So I got to check my schedule for Christmas Eve. That would be perfect for you because you always have packs on Christmas yeah, Day. That, yeah, that would be perfect this time you're, around. You're part of the narrative of this thing because <laughs> every year on Christmas, Pax talks to you and and he tells you... Uh, the one wise man. Yeah, right. He'll bring up the Derrick Rose injury again then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, honestly, with a straight face, can upper management fire Fred Hoiberg? I'm not saying that's going to happen, by the way. Who knows what's going to happen? But, I mean, with all these injuries, yes, there have been players who are questioning him. Listen, the players can look in the mirror and question themselves. Like I said, Jabari Parker was not playing any defense last night, so he can look in the mirror first and foremost. Uh, the other night, uh, you know, there were breakdowns here, there, everywhere. Zach Levine has been the one player who's played, obviously, pretty well, 30-point-plus games in his first four, 20 only last night, without playing in the fourth quarter. But there's just really nothing else to hang your hat on right now, and the games come fast and furious, my friends. Tonight is a big game down in Atlanta, and then they got four at home next week. 
and they'll be underdogs in every game they play going forward. David Schuster's our guest here on The Score. We're talking some Bulls. Um, thank God Corey Crawford's good because the United Center would just be shut down this winter if he if he was bad and they had to go with Cam Ward. So anyways, we're talking about the Bulls and who they're going to fire as we move along. The idea that Jabari Parker would say, and I, I commend him for speaking the truth, even though it threw the coach and the staff under the bus, that he would say we didn't have a scheme for the offense Charlotte was running. We hadn't practiced it. We couldn't adjust the double drag sets. We didn't know what to do. And then tried to walk it back saying it wasn't a coaching problem when clearly it was a coaching problem because they didn't know how to defend it. How, how does how does this continue? How does something not happen between this guy who seems to only want to start and not play defense and this coach whose idea of defense this year has been laughable and you go back to the the preseason games. They haven't been able to guard anybody and nobody is nobody seems to have an answer or take responsibility where it needs to be. Well, first of all, Parker's contract was basically a one-year solidified with a second year being an option. Long ways to go, guys, and we're getting way, way, way ahead of ourselves. But I would say as of right now, I don't think that second year is going to be picked up, especially if they're terrible. Who knows? He might even be traded at the deadline. We'll have to wait and see. That's a long way still down the road. As far as them, you know, last night where, you know, the comments after the game that they weren't prepared, all right, so what? The first couple of times down the floor, obviously Charlotte made some adjustments. You always hear about adjustments being made in sports. Call a timeout. Say, hey, guys, now we have to adjust our defense and just do it. It's not like they haven't seen this numerous times during their NBA careers. So I don't know what, what the gist of the conversation was in the huddles at, at that juncture of the games, but, you know, the players still have to play defense. I mean, the coaches can talk about whatever pregame, during the game, whatever, but defense is all about heart and determination and hustle and just not wanting to be embarrassed on that end of the court. So I'm still always going to blame the players more than I'm going to blame the coaches. All right, something good. Uh, Zach Levine is explosive as a scorer, looks athletically as good as he ever did in Minnesota before the knee injury, and that's wonderful. I don't think he's a good enough playmaker with the ball to ever truly be the best player on a real, real good team. But but what's the ceiling that we're looking at for Zach Levine? And, you know, obviously he may end up leading the league in scoring uh, in a year like this, but what's the ceiling on a good team for Zach Levine, do you think? Really good question, Matty. You know, that's why I wanted, you know, was, I had a semi, I wanted to call it high hopes, but I had semi encouraging hopes going into the season because if Markinen was healthy and, and you had all the other players, including Dunn, who would be a facilitator, and then you got Levine, you know, and you got to add more players. Let's face it, they're nowhere near a finished product, even with everybody healthy. Yeah, I think they could actually be a decent team. They still need, and I 100% agree with you, Maddie. I think they still need that stud. And it's not even marketing. I think they need somebody else. That's why I'm already scouring the NBA uh, draft already in advance. They need that one superstar player to come in and be that other cog on the offensive end of the court. But, yeah, Zach Levine could easily, easily score you 20-plus points a game. And if he plays any kind of defense, then he could be a, more than a serviceable player. But, yeah, I agree with you, Matty. I think they need more talent, especially on the offensive end of the court. Did you see any movies this week, David? I saw a couple. Um, 
Let's see, I haven't talked to you in two weeks. I know, it's been a while. So Yeah, the first movie I saw was First Man, Ooh. Which, which was about Neil Armstrong with um, Ryan Gosling you know, filling in and playing him. And it's really interesting because apparently Gosling did a lot of homework with Neil Armstrong's sons, who are portrayed as young boys in the movie. And you know, the, the two sons, who are now you know, middle-aged or not even older than that, adults themselves, gave him uh, Gosling a thumbs-up for his portrayal. But honestly, Neil Armstrong in this movie, portrayed by Ryan Gosling, was pretty dour. Very determined, obviously, to do all the things that he did in his professional career, including, obviously, being the first man to walk on the moon. But sort of a dour personality, and that really comes across. The movie's sort of slow. Interesting, because I grew up during those times, and, and that was really the Apollos and the Gemini flights and all that kind of good stuff. It was really fascinating to me as a kid. But I will just say, once again, Neil Armstrong in this movie is portrayed as pretty dour. The other movie I saw Wait, the would other it be day... Wait, would it be a spoiler alert? Did they show how they faked the moon landing in Capricorn <laughs> 1? What was that? Was that, was that movie Capricorn 1 Capricorn where they 1, faked yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, I remember that one. Kubrick, uh, Kubrick was behind it. I, 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 th- <laughs> there's a big, uh, there's big, little bit of a scandal because they don't show them planting the American flag on the That is correct. In, in this in this movie, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. All right, big, so you know that that didn't bother me in, at all, to be honest with you. Uh, the other movie I saw, Old Man and the Gun, and we're told this is Robert Redford's last acting performance in a movie. Yeah, I guess yeah, he'll yeah. still be a director or what have you, but his last acting performance, he plays, I guess, a, a portrayal of a, a real life bank robber by the name of Forrest Tucker or something like that. No, and, and the that's movie's okay. There's a, a lot of he was in F Troop. <laughs> yeah, he was an F Troop. Horace Tucker was. <clears throat> he was, that he was, was an F Troop. Great show, by the way. That's great right. he, show. He wasn't Parmenter. He wasn't Wilton Parmenter. He was. He was an F Troop. Go ahead. And, the, and actually, Larry Storch played Agar, one of the great characters right. of all time. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He, he, Forrest Tucker is correct in terms of who Robert Redford plays. That was his name, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's other good actors in this movie: Casey Affleck and, and Sissy Spacek. But then it's, I started thinking about Robert Redford, who's done some great movies, obviously during his career. Just to name a few: Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Sting, The Natural, uh, Ordinary People, which you might forget about. He was the father in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, if, that, if that's the end of his career, what a career he had on the big screen. Okay, so did did you did you like the gentleman thief in that? Did you like the portrayal? Did you like yeah, the movie? Yeah, I thought the overall. Was... I mean, it's again not an exciting movie by any stretch, and you know. It, he was known uh, portraying this guy, Forrest Tucker, as part of the Over the Hill gang. Him and a couple of other guys, they were guys already in their 70s robbing banks, but they did it with a smile on their face. And that's, that's sort of the theme of the movie, if you will. But he's finally caught and incarcerated, I'm sure, for the rest of his life at that juncture. They didn't go that far with the movie. Yeah, I thought it was, it was a good ending to a long-storied career on the big screen for Robert Redford, yes. That was the, the George Burns, Art Carney movie that and i can't think the old men who robbed banks they walked in there might as well have had groucho marx mask on there was and and it was it's not the sunshine boys is it no no no, no, no. that's that's the comedy that's, yeah. that's yeah. k right, k right. those are funny jokes k you got to use the k mm-hmm. all right we'll do it during the break i have another movie idea <clears throat> i have an idea that i came across the because uh going the, in style going in style that's it yes yeah, so that was i'm good at google george burns and art carney mm-hmm and I can't remember. I think there were two other guys who were part of it. It was wonderful. Lee Strasberg and Charles Hallahan. There you go. I don't remember Charles Hallahan. Me neither. Martin was... Brest wrote it and directed it. <sighs> it was Hyman Roth. Hyman Roth's been dying of the same heart attack for 20 years. All right. 
David, thanks. We appreciate it. Thanks for All right, your time. Guys, talk to you next week. <laughs> I okay. didn't know he was still there. I did. Oh, yeah. That's right. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> so we'll take a break. We come back, and we're talking with movies and fantasy drafts. And I go back to, like, the original and the, the most um, – at the time, it seemed pretty sick to me. But, but – um, and maybe it'll seem sick to you now. I don't know. I'll run it by you. Rosenblum and Spiegel, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. No question. I'm going to the NBA and getting paid, baby. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. All right, so we got to correct Schuster. Has, has that pointed out on uh, text line? Uh, yeah, by a lot of people. Um, it was Donald Sutherland as the father, as Mary Tyler Moore was the mother in Ordinary People. Redford directed it. Redford directed it. Everybody won awards. Um, uh, North Shore of uh, Chicago. Set, yes. Right? right? Set on the North Shore of Chicago. Timothy Hutton as... Uh, as the troubled kid, the younger brother of the other guy. Great movie. He was movie. good at that. He was good at that. Yep. All right. So here's uh, – we were discussing drafts earlier, mm-hmm. um, and you are a daily fan. You are, you are associated with daily – Daily fantasy football over at Fanball. Yeah, they have a new auction thing. I do it Fridays at noon. Have some fun and do uh, – I see the tweets. Play some, play some games during the week, yeah. I don't do that. I was um, – but I was reminded of a draft okay. <clears throat> that when I first started the – covering the L.A. Kings in a previous life for radio, and I would string games. And part of the core of the guys who worked for the Kings was a guy named Steve Sharon. Okay. He organized something. He organized what would become the Dirty Harry movie, The Deadpool. He started this. This He was was the first guy to start it. In the late 70s. Oh, boy. No, they ran this out of the forum, the fabulous forum. They would all have a... At the end in, in December, sure, they would write down who's going to die. You got special points if it was under like thirty, under fifty, uh-huh. and and those age groups. Yes. and you would write down your Deadpool list. Now, when I by the time I was a producer at the Score in the early nineties uh, for McNeil and Boers, ninety four, ninety five, uh-huh. they were doing Deadpool's. They did Deadpool's then. This was this was unbelievably buy- sick. I thought. Oh, yeah, was, when I was I was attending games and going. Oh my God, Steve! He goes, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Shit, yeah, I had a good one. I had a good one today. Somebody would die during the hockey season because uh-huh. that's the only time I saw him. And other guys who were involved in this would would root for death because they had, especially young ones. Yeah. You know, if it was a young person or younger than under thirty, you oh, got sure. extra points. I, I remember the moment when McNeil and Boers realized they had to stop doing the Deadpool forever. Uh huh. You know, you, you know who was picked. You know, who got drafted. No, Gunner Esiason. Somebody took Boomer's oh. son, who oh had cystic God. fibrosis. Oh, right? I believe that's what the disease was. And at the time, and everybody laughed. And then everybody said, "Oh, what are we doing here?" Well, Steve ended up with he was he was the creator. Of, his screenplay was his idea, and he's a co-writer on the movie The Deadpool. Oh, you're, you're the kidding Dirty me! Hair. No, that's where this went to. So he, only, you actually were involved in a, in the Deadpool, I, and then he wrote I wasn't, the movie. He was. I was watching this happen, and this went from the eight, early 80s, wow. mid-80s, and all of a sudden, Clint Eastwood, <laughs> Dirty Harry, is making this movie, and Steve's credit, it's his one and only IMBB credit. You know? Credit. You have a good idea. <laughs> That's it. 
That's it. That one good idea. You know, there was somebody who had another you know, good I, I should make a movie an, about Guagi then or something. There's somebody else. We'll discuss it next hour. Somebody <laughs> else had a really good idea. Uh-huh. And Thanksgiving approaches. It's the perfect time to talk about it to memorialize a person with a really good idea at uh, on on Thanksgiving. Hey, the bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Sick of paying for high-priced Chicago parking? Well, the Chicago Wolves are celebrating their 25th anniversary season with rolled-back free parking presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Kia dealers. Visit ChicagoWolves.com for information. He's Spiegel. I'm Rosenblum. We have another hour of Saturday Suckage. We'll come back if you want to talk to us. 312-644-6767. Yeah, no guests, right? So just you and me with thoughts and conversation and callers right. and, and stuff? An, and annoying callers. I, why do people on a sports talk station think they can call up and just be part of it? I, I don't know where they got wow. that silly-ass idea. Oh, Bernstein, it's good to see you. <laughs> All us Jews look alike to you, don't we? All right. Okay, thanks. Bye. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.